listening to Rumination Thursday, Law and Gospel, on this August the 29th in the year of our Lord 2019, which means with us we have our good friend, Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? Well, except for the snow, everything's fine. <laughs> snow? Oh, I guess that's not snow out there. Boy, I tell you, I was driving home from those churches I preach at on Wednesday night, and I usually begin my drive now as it's getting dark. And on those two-way roads, there must have been 14 million mosquitoes and bugs. You can't <laughs> no even see deer? the color of my car anymore. Oh, yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, you got to have some uh, glass cleaner to take care of those windshields yeah and the name i use is louise okay <laughs> oh boy all righty i got some news for you i don't know you did do. you hear what happened at uh you know the lutheran church missouri synod has a number of universities and at uh, river forest they just hired a muslim chaplain yeah Right, I'm sure that uh, they, such a thing would would happen at one of our schools. <laughs> There's no way that would ever happen at That's any right. of the schools of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but it certainly did happen at a Methodist affiliated school, namely Shenandoah University in Winchester. They hired an Islamic woman as their chaplain a non-Christian chaplain in 150 years at the university. And uh, this is really causing some problems, as you can imagine. Right. Well, they, they excuse us under the term, what, religious diversity, being progressive. Yes. And so I analyze they have six listed staffers at Shenandoah's Office of Spiritual Life. All of them are progressive. None of them defend mm. United Methodism's historic Christian definition of marriage. And so, as usual, liberals are hypocrites. They say one thing, and of course, the very opposite is true. And in fact, um, the article that I was reading is that most of the religious students at Shenandoah are probably more traditional in their beliefs than liberal. But where do they find their spiritual encouragement? They find it at the many churches in Winchester that are Methodist, not on campus. Campus, yes. And, well, and one of the other things that uh, I caught in the article is that there some of them on that staff are are part of this movement called Church Within a Church in the Methodist Church. Yeah, most people, journalists, believe that there will be a big split in the Methodist Church. In, in fact, um, not too long ago, they um, had a kind of convention in the Methodist Church. And right. what happened was that they defended traditional Christianity, and this particular Shenandoah University was very angry about that. 
Right. Well, this and they got, uh, as I said, some members on that spiritual staff that are part of this uh, church within a church. And that whole movement in, in the Methodist Church started in 2001 and 2002. And uh, it's a resistant movement to uh, against discriminatory harm harmful and oppressive actions of the United Methodist Church against against uh, LGBTQ. And here's what they, they go on to say, they, that uh, rather than trying to engage the uh, UMC, the United Methodist Church, to change his 40-year position, they, they say homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. They thought that they would they would over a period of time, and it seems to be successful for them, is uh, to push those the, the churches aside and and get into this progressive attitude that it, homosexuality is not a sin. Absolutely. In fact, um, the article said a key feature of the calling card of a contemporary progressive intellectual as large numbers of these self-professing intellectual types occupy positions at colleges and universities is to question, doubt, mock, and even reject Orthodox Christianity and God. Now, I experienced that when I was at our seminary in St. Louis under the former faculty that became Seminex, a seminary in exile. I mean, they doubted many of the miracles in the Bible. They doubted creation, were teaching evolution. Uh, some were definitely pro-homosexual. They all, well, a lot of them were for women ordination, but they just kept criticizing the scripture while we were sitting there in class. And by God's grace, uh, the lay people, I believe, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, really have been taught properly by many pastors, and it was because of them that we were able to return our seminaries to proper professors, uh, both of them, Springfield and St. Louis. And doesn't that, uh, isn't that rather curious? Uh, on the one hand, these universities, including what, what you went through at the seminary, that uh, they claim diversity and free expression, but yet on the other hand, when it comes to Orthodox Christianity and what and believing the Bible as the Word of God and in its truth and purity, that somehow you're out of step. Well, I remember Paradox. I had a class by a professor who was teaching development of doctrine that these doctrines we have were developed by human beings. They're not part of the Bible, like the Athanasian Creed, etc. And I disagreed with that. I even wrote an extra paper, and uh, I should have. I was getting A's in most classes. He gave me a C. Ooh. And I went in and argued with him about it. You know me. And he said, well, you never did understand what I was saying. And I told him, I understood what you were saying. God didn't. <laughs> Well, there's always what Second Peter chapter one: no prophecy of scripture comes from one's own interpretation. Excellent, that's a great one. Is that the only Bible verse you ever found in the Bible about this? No, oh, I came up with at least twelve to fifteen in, in reading this article and looking at it. I mean, it, I know. it's just all over. I mean, 
they even in some of the the responses they they came up with uh, John 14, which we had talked about last week with uh, with Elka. I I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes. Oh yeah, there's just it's just all over the place. Well, we just had the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is complaining about the prophets who are not speaking the word of God, but speaking what they were dreaming. Mm. And uh, Issues Etc. was interesting yesterday. Todd was talking about that, and he said uh, in Lutheran circles, it isn't the word dream that some people are using, but I had a vision. Vision, yeah. And that's unbiblical. And you talk Old Testament. There's Exodus 32, which talks about the golden calf, where Aaron told Moses, well, they wanted gods. And, and, and uh, of course, Moses took the golden calf and burned it into, into and spread it out into some water and made him drink the, the yes. water. And in the end, God had a plague come on Israel as a result of their unbelief. Oh, absolutely. Well... Remember that great plague where they had to put up a bronze serpent? Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And how does John use that? John 3.16. Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And remember the verse right before it, as Moses, Moses lifted up. The servant, yeah. So also will the Son of Man be lifted up. Yes. So John ties that right in. There was the 450 prophets of Baal and kings and Elijah. There was three men in the fiery furnace. I mean, and then you bring up Jeremiah. It's all over the the uh, Old Testament where uh, we're not to be following false gods or our own prophecy. Yeah. I, in fact, uh, as I was listening to the 60 CDs I listened to that just had the Old Testament and they've got different characters for the different people and music and sounds in the background, it was really well done. I was amazed just going through book after book listening how really God came down against his people when they had mm. become unbelievers. Right. You know, you know the past New Testament passage that came to mind when I was when we were looking at this article about the Muslim chaplain, and it's not the first time. It was done in 2010 at Vanderbilt Divinity School. I so, did not know that. Yeah, I, I was reading through some of this and found found that to be a case too. But you know, you go to Second Timothy chapter four. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they will have itching ears and accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Doesn't that sound like that's what's going on in these? Well, it certainly went on in the ELCA convention recently when um, I I didn't realize that uh, Issues Etc. yesterday had an excellent interview with the layman who criticized what the ELCA was about to pass, that they were in fellowship with all religions, including Muslims, Jews, everything. What happened that on the stage, they had representatives of these various religious bodies, none of whom were Christian. 
And, of course, they were attempting to adopt a thing that we are all uh, together, whether you believe in Christ or not, nobody can make a judgment as to whether someone's going to hell. So they wanted to have a resolution that we were in fellowship with all these religions and can learn from them. So some layman got up, I think he was from Wisconsin, and that was what the interview was about, and he quoted what passage? You've already done it from John. John 14. And what does that say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And the woman who is leading this, of course, it has to be a, a woman, because if you're a woman pastor, you already disagree with the Bible. And she criticized him publicly for saying that in front of all of these people. And there is a... Um, you know, when you go to the Internet, people can make responses. And there was one response from another ELCA pastor. When this woman was forced to give his amendment, namely that faith and salvation only comes through Jesus Christ, the pastor said that it was like having manure in her mouth when she said that. Wow. Yeah, and you can find that on the Internet. This is how far the ELCA has gone. And when they voted as to whether or not these people needed Jesus Christ as the Bible teaches, they voted 90% that they did not. Yeah, 97%. Is that what it was? 97%? 97%. Wow. When they voted down that amendment. Uh, I'll tell you... Issues Etc., you can listen to that program. Just uh, go to issuesetc.org and then look in their archives. And it was the last interview they did yesterday, which was Wednesday, uh, August the 28th. And it was fascinating. This um, layman is a lawyer, and uh, he has been attacked mercilessly by leaders of the ELCA who have totally fallen from Christianity. And it isn't just only, you know, Christ, that somehow Christ got it wrong, for for we know he got it right as, as true God. But, I mean, you read passages, for instance, like Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It was a confession that Peter made to the Sanhedrin. And you read elsewhere, you know, uh, Paul talks about the unknown God at, at Athens and uh, confesses Christ there. I mean, it's it's all over the New Testament. It's all over the Bible who, who we should be following. Yes. Um, there were a number of, um, in this article, uh, people who were appreciative of what this lay lawyer said. One said, um, Zach, we watched live as you took on this issue. I actually stood and cheered in my living room that someone was brave enough to speak up for God's holy word. I found myself saying, yes, yes, I agree. I found it interesting that the visiting faith leaders stayed up there, standing and watching at all who voted. Although they clearly had their minds made up, there you stood. You could do no other. Luther would be proud. Peace to you, my brother in Christ. Wow. 
That was an ELCA person. And remember, we talked about also an ELCA professor who bemoaned the fact that there was little about the Bible at the ELCA convention and much more about salvation by grace rather than salvation by faith. We're going to see a split going on in Elka again. They've already had one, but I think they're going to about to have another one. Yeah, I, I don't see how even our Seminex guys who left the Missouri Synod because they were so liberal in coming to the Bible, how they could stand to realize that now they're in fellowship, not just with uh, Presbyterians and Methodists who deny the Lord's Supper, as it is taught, but also now with all these world religions that have no interest in believing in Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, you know, when you when you go through the Bible, especially John 14, it's just constantly there. Uh, Joshua 24, when when Joshua assembled all of Israel as they were taking over the promised land, that they followed the triune God and not the gods of, that were left behind in, in the uh, promised land. Exactly. I mean, it's just there, you know. As Joshua would say, as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, meant to try you, God. We're coming up on the 150th anniversary of Concordia Publishing House. And it's because we have some great people over there putting out the materials. One of the comments on the Elka thing that was found on this article was by an individual who's working for CPH, Reverend Paul T. McCain. He was also assistant to the president of Synod at one time. Here's what he wrote. It was a stunning moment that I watched live via the assembly streaming video. Kudos to Zach for his bold witness and confession to the truth of God's word. This church is going to start understanding that when they allowed women to be pastors, that is where things started falling right into the hands of Satan. And Satan is really good at controlling false teachers. And we saw that both in this Methodist University and now in Elka. And doesn't that really come down to this is what happens when you substitute what you call sin versus what God calls sin? Yes, they have the view that sin is no longer what the Bible says is against God's law. Now, we we agree that we're no longer bound under the ceremonial laws or the civil laws of the Old Testament, but we're still bound to the moral laws. And um, again, I heard on the radio somebody saying that, um, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that there are passages against abortion or homosexuality. All you have to do is read Romans chapter 1. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 5? And what verse are you thinking of? Verse 9, Jesus, uh, Paul says there, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Yes. Don't deceive neither the sexual and moral, the idolaters, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, and, and so forth. So it's right in there that homosexuality is, is, is out. 
It's not that they cannot be saved as they repent of their sin and come to church and receive the absolution. But if they continue in unrepentant sin, there's no guarantee that heaven is their home. Right. And that reason I like that First Corinthians 5 is it's not just singling out homosexuality, but it's singling out all kinds of other sins that, that we see going on. Like gossip. Yeah. Yeah. Any sin with which you are unrepentant of, that's going to cause a problem because you're saying that the death of Christ is worthless. Right. So the value, you know, they this uh, church within a church values, you know, human beings and created in the image of God. And, uh, but... They don't value what it would it calls original sin and how God dealt with original sin through Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's not really much hope for these churches uh, until they are reversed. And that can happen by the Holy Spirit where they will denounce, therefore, women ordination, uh, denounce homosexuality, uh, denounce pedophilia, etc. But at this time, there's no guarantee that those things are going to happen. So we're in a situation where when a member of yours left the congregation, let's say they moved to another state, my practice was to keep in touch with them, alerting them to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregations around them and encouraging them to be transferred to one of them rather than to some of these other churches that no longer were preaching the Word of God. Right. You know, as I look at these articles, it, it kind of brings you back to uh, Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of mankind, isn't it? You know, did God really say you were going to die? Well, you know, you're not going to die right away if you eat of the, true, uh, the, the, the tree of life. Not only will you not die, but you will become like God. God, yeah. And that's exactly what, what I see going on in all of this is they substituted and called what they want to call sin. That homosexuality is something that God made us that way, and it's okay. And forget about uh, all the other things that go with it. Well, it's going to be a long time before I listen to a woman pastor rather than to God. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand how these lay people, are they not reading their Bibles that they can vote to say we're now in fellowship with all of these false religions? I mean, look at what happened to the prophets of Baal under Elijah. <laughs> yes, I met with that. You know, which, by the way, that that uh, religious chaplain at uh, Vanderbilt back in 2010. Yes. They had a meeting, you know, a, a conference with, with students, and he was asked about what the, the uh, Islamic faith teaches about uh, uh, homosexuality. And he came right out and said it's worthy of death if they found a homosexual. So he didn't mince words about that stuff. Yes. We just don't see many Martin Luther standing up in these false religions because I was listening to one person after they found out how bad their denomination is and they said, are you going to leave it? 
And he said, no, I'm not going to leave it because I really like my congregation. And people need to make a distinction between their personal congregation and what the official teaching of their church is. Because every time that congregation sends money to the denomination, that denomination is going to be used for satanic purposes. Yes, and I think it's important that we continue to pray for them. And and as when we when we encounter our friends, point them always to Christ as Lord and Savior. And there's no doubt that the Lutheran Church wants to reach out to these people and discuss with them because a lot of them are just simply ignorant. I can't understand this, but they're ignorant of what the Bible really says. I saw one Elka article not long ago that denied what the Athanasian Creed, that God is going to judge you by your works. And what they were denying is a specific passage from Scripture, and they were mm. even unaware of that. So that's a, that's I, I really think there's a lot of ignorance going on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it requires a lot of work and preparation on our part to continue as God's people to to reach out to our neighbors that are in Elka or Methodist, wherever we find them. Okay. I'm uh, going to be available for preaching Sundays at any congregation in the area. I can do a 400-mile round trip on Sundays. This Sunday is going to be, I believe, my last Sunday on preaching. So if anyone is interested, get a hold of me. God bless. Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.